This is a Piccolo podcast production. In this episode, we cover two harrowing tales where water slides have gone wrong. I'm your narrator, Andrew Mensel, and welcome to Fairground Fuckups. Water slides have been a staple at amusement parks dating all the way back to the early 1900s. The very first ever known water slide is from our trans-Tasman neighbours, New Zealand. At the 1906 International Exhibition, a newly built water chute was on display. Reports say thrill-seekers were put into custom-made boats built specifically for the new ride and then slid down into a lake, where they would subsequently skip across the surface of the water for a few seconds. In 1923, water slides made it to the US thanks to a gentleman called Herbert Selner. He designed a similar ride to the New Zealand ride with water toboggans. These would slide down a large incline and skim across bodies of water. According to US patent services, these toboggans could travel over 100 feet. But it wasn't until 1977 when George Malay, the founder of SeaWorld, opened the world's first official water park. This park had several water-based rides that many consider to be the birth of the modern water slide. But it's not just theme parks where you'll find water slides. They're in public pools, hotels, cruise ships, and even in people's backyards. Some slides are bought from a store for as little as $20, and some are homemade by nifty thrill seekers. When you think about it, water slides are a constant point of transition for young people. How many kids share fond summer memories of running the garden hose over a tarpaulin in the backyard and taking running slides until they'd torn up half of the lawn? Many children would have looked forward to the day when they were tall enough to throw themselves down the slides at the water park. Even once they had graduated to Wet n Wild or SeaWorld or whichever major water park holds a fond place in their memories, there was a progression of growing in height, courage and fearlessness which opened access to taller, rougher and faster slides. Was it possible that such a sense of destiny was on the minds of Napa High's class of 1997 as they came to Waterworld USA in Concord, California on June 2nd for their celebratory end-of-school field trip. The annual trip was a staple for every graduating Napa class. 1997 was the first year, however, that the trip was made to Concord. Previous year's classes had made their trip to another water park in Manteca. It was at this park that a student tradition had been born, an essential group activity on every trip a marker of the school group's passage through the American education system. A rite of passage, if you will. They called it clogging. This is how clogging works. The first student would take off down the slide past the first turn so as just to be out of sight of the staff member supervising at the top. 
they would then stick their arms and legs out to the walls of the fiberglass and bring themselves to a complete stop, far from the pool at the bottom. Then the attendant at the top, assuming that the rider had enjoyed their trip to the bottom, would then give the go-ahead to the next student, who would take off down the slide and let themselves drift just around the first bend again, where they would encounter their classmate and likewise bring themselves to a halt at the same spot and wait. The whole class would keep this up until the first rider couldn't hold on or the attendant wised up and stopped the party. At this point, the whole group would let go and slide and tumble to the pool at the bottom in an unstoppable tangle of bodies. Here's Napa High student Chris. Didn't matter who you're sitting next to on the slide, you, you could, you know, be sitting next to someone you've seen in the hall once and you look at each other and you're just having the best time. In the pool, they would fall on top of one another and trample over each other to get to their feet again. There were a few scrapes and bruises. One or two more riders waterlogged than the rest. No doubt some very unimpressed water park staff, but a class memory to treasure for a lifetime. This was surely on the minds of the students of Napa High's class of 1997 as they ascended the steps of the Bonsai Pipeline. But this year they wanted to give the tradition a twist. Like most young people, these students were possessed with the drive to prove that they could rise to greater heights than those who had come before them. So the challenge this year was not just to uphold the school tradition at this brand new venue, but to outdo previous efforts by building up the biggest clog in history. Their goal, 70 students, beat that class of 1998. So, the class of 1997 waited until near the end of the day. They weren't fools. Well aware that their stunt would likely see them ejected from the park, they had determined that this would be their last hurrah. In the minutes before the students were due to return to their buses, the word was spread quietly. It's happening now. The entire class began scaling the 40-foot tower. The line was so long that less than half the students could actually wait at the top. The rest were stationed, waiting on the staircase for their turn. Witnesses later suggested that students pushed their way past the guard on duty, laughing as they took off down the slide in groups of three or four. A manager of the park interviewed later said simply, our guard couldn't control it. Into the Bunzai pipeline went the class of 1997, building the clog that would cement their place in Napa High history. 70 students was the record-setting goal. In went 5, 10, 15, 20. The students inside the pipeline could not hear the cracking, but the staff underneath could. The lifeguard blew their whistle and frantically roared at the students to let go. Five more pushed past, 25 now, 30. Lifeguards and security rushed to the bonsai knowing that disaster was imminent. Three more students joined the clog. Then the water slide collapsed. Napa High student Megan wasn't on the slide, 
but she can recall hearing the cracking. I, I knew what happened. It, it doesn't go away. It's not something that you forget. I mean, I can hear it in my sleep. I can hear it. The section of tube where students had gathered separated completely from the slide and sent all 33 students plummeting to the earth below. Recollections from students and staff at Napa High as well as the staff of Waterworld USA are collectively vague at this point. The first few moments following the disaster, staff were desperately just trying to remove students safely from the tube. And I saw just a mass of water and bodies falling to the ground. I looked down and everybody that had made it, just they had looks of terror on their face. And they were all, get down, get down. And then I saw everybody at the bottom. They jumped off the side and rushed to help everybody that fell. I thought they were all dead. There's nothing more horrible than seeing your classmates plummet to the ground. Calls to 911 were placed immediately and emergency services responded and were on the scene within 10 minutes. Jim Jennings, a lieutenant with the Concord Police Department, was one of the first to arrive. His recollection was perfectly clear. I served 13 months in Vietnam. I saw a lot of obviously hurt people laying on the ground. Had five officers already and more coming. Initially, you have that momentary, holy crap, but then you're thinking, I've got to make some order out of this. 32 students were injured. During the fall, a number of them hit the wooden support beams of the slide. Others were cut by the jagged edges of the pipe. All those attending that day remember that as they lay amongst debris and mud, the water in the pool beneath them turned a blood red. Alinda Franco, one of the last students to join the clog and to fall, recalls waiting for help. I was wiggling my fingers and toes and was able to do that. And I thought, I'm okay but only when she was taken to hospital were the extent of her injuries revealed. A lacerated liver, multiple broken ribs, and a fractured vertebrae in her neck. Alinda still considers herself lucky. Her classmate, Quimby Galotti, tragically succumbed to her injuries. The Napa High class of 1997 carried on with their graduation ceremony that year also making it a memorial service for Galotti and the chance to honour those police and paramedics who had come to their aid. Students attended the graduation in casts and wheelchairs, one even requiring an ambulance bed. All who attended agreed it was a moving and healing ceremony. Investigations into the incident revealed that a critical factor in the disaster was the difference between the bonsai pipeline and the slide in Manteca, where this ritual had successfully taken place for so many years. The Manteca slide was built into the side of a hill, surrounded by earth, and therefore did not experience any particular strain under the additional weight of 30 bodies. Conversely, the slides at Waterworld USA were constructed with support beams in the open air. These slides were reasonably tested to support a person's body weight, but the 33 students far exceeded any reasonable expectations by manufacturers or water park staff. Remarkably, given the circumstances, the park's parent company, 
Premier Parks, along with the slide's manufacturer and the Napa Valley Unified School District, all agreed to offer settlements to the families to a total of $4 million. In stark contrast to many of the tragedies explored on fairground fuck-ups, the aftermath of the incident at Waterworld USA is marked more by a sense of responsibility than of recklessness. It became a story of a community coming together to support one another and ensure that there was a path through the pain and grief. While undeniably a horrific tragedy, it created a moment in which compassion and the human spirit could shine brightly. This was not the case with the Schlitterbahn Water Park in Kansas City on the 7th of August 2016. The Schlitterbahn Water Park opened in 2009 as part of an enterprise that planned an expansive holiday resort stretching across 130 acres. Schlitterbahn had proved a successful brand in Texas where there were three locations. Kansas City was the first park outside of that state. And from the very beginning, they were driven to push boundaries and make a name by boasting the most outrageous attractions that had ever been known. Hence, the construction of the Verrucht, the world's tallest and fastest water slide, at an unimaginable height of 163 feet or 51 metres, the slide was an exercise in group insanity. It was the embodiment of the Generation X extreme attitude. The Verrucht was the brainchild of the park's co-owner and technical supervisor. It was even more notable for the fact that its development and construction was entirely handled by the staff of Schlitterbahn, Kansas City. This is virtually unheard of in amusement park circles, given the level of investment in such a project and the difficulty to recoup costs unless it can be manufactured en masse. This team, however, were convinced that the feature would attract more than enough thrill-seekers from around the globe to justify its expense. They also managed to keep development costs to a minimum due to the number of staff they were able to call on to assist from the water park. You'd think such an extreme ride would have a team of qualified engineers designing and constructing the slide. If you thought that, you're wrong. Not a single member of the Verrucht construction staff was a qualified engineer. Schlitterbahn management cut every corner they believed they could get away with. Normally, conceptual models and simulations would be worked through for months before ground would break on the actual construction of the slide. In this case, the construction was rushed from concept to reality. When initial tests of the actual slide revealed that no one could ride it and survive, the team had a plan to fix the problem, which was a haphazard process of trial and error. From the immense height of 163 feet, riders would sit in three-person rafts and plummet 17 storeys, levelling out just above the ground. The water at the bottom of this first drop would cushion the riders from the full impact of the sudden deceleration, still allowing enough momentum that the raft would carry on and climb another rising slope of about five storeys before a second and final plunge to the ground level where they could disembark. 
The problems in its construction were many. Early tests showed that the slide was not stable enough to cope with the weight of riders. And so additional support rings were built around it to reinforce the structure. The sudden jolts at the bottom of the first drop had the potential to cause injury. So water levels were constantly being adjusted. Most critically was the peak of the rising section of the slide. Momentum gained on the first drop was indeed more than enough to propel a raft full of riders to the top. In fact, the rafts had so much momentum that they leapt into the air unsupported almost every time the ride was used. Early tests resulted in rafts filled with sandbags being thrown completely over the slide. To provide safety, the solution was to enclose the entire length of the water slide with high strength netting and set higher weight requirements for rafts. From conception to execution, the Verrucht lived up to the meaning of its name, the German word for insane. In 2014, the publication Amusement Today awarded the Verrucht its Golden Ticket Award. An anonymous lifeguard working at the time would later claim that despite the exciting and positive media attention in the early days, the slide was always a disaster waiting to happen. Velcro straps on the rafts kept coming loose. People suffered vertebral disc injuries and abrasions. One rider in June 2016 suffered injuries to his face. Such occurrences were allegedly covered up by the park. But they were unable to cover up the horrific tragedy that occurred on the 7th of August. Ten-year-old Caleb Schwab attended the park with his family that day. While his family waited for him at the platform for the Verrucht, the young Caleb scaled the tower and found riding companions in two women who were preparing for their turn. From this first moment, the park was already failing their duty of care. The combined weight of these three riders was far below the minimum set by the park's official safety standards. As the three of them climbed aboard the raft, Caleb was permitted to sit by himself in the front seat instead of nestling between his two companions. This would cause a terrible imbalance in the raft's weight distribution. Then, the three riders and the raft began the ride down from the 17-storey high water slide. What happened next is one of the most gruesome and terrifying incidents we have covered on this podcast. When the raft Caleb was riding reached the apex of the slide's hill, it flew into the air and Caleb collided directly with the metal support ring above. His head was caught in the safety netting while his body remained strapped to the raft. Caleb was decapitated. In the days, weeks and months following Caleb's violent and tragic death, Schlitterbahn ceased all operations as investigators poured over every inch of the park. The Verrucht in particular was carefully examined, finally by a team of qualified and experienced engineers. It was concluded that every so-called safety measure for the Verrucht was in itself a breach of state safety guidelines. The park's management came under fire from investigators and police were determined to pursue criminal charges. 
This was in addition to the civil proceedings that sought compensation for Caleb's family, the two women who had ridden with him, and a host of others who now came forward with their own accounts of injury. While this got underway, another change was being discussed in a much broader regard. Caleb's father, Scott Schwab, was a politician at the time, serving as a member of the Kansas House of Representatives. Working with his fellow legislators, they immediately drafted a new bill that would address the biggest contributing factor in this entire heartbreaking saga. Prior to this point, amusement parks in the state of Kansas were permitted to handle safety inspections entirely in-house, meaning there was no real oversight to ensure that sufficient standards were being met. It was this supposed freedom that allowed Schlitterbahn to plan and construct a ride that was never safe. From this point on, however, the state would take over all safety inspections and schedule them regularly. Here's Caleb's father, Scott Schwab, speaking with ABC News. You call it an accident, but I think you and your attorneys believe that negligence caused oh, yeah, accident. Oh, yeah, yeah. It's an accident, but there's an accounting because someone was negligent. The criminal charges of negligence, manslaughter and child endangerment came before a jury in 2018. The charges specifically targeted one of the park's co-owners, the former director of operations and the individual most responsible for the design and construction of the Verrucht. Given the overwhelming evidence and witness testimony, coupled with the admission by those charged that they had no idea what they were doing when they began the project, a conviction appeared to be an open and shut matter. Unfortunately, the state attorney's office made the same assumption and neglected to do their due diligence when they brought the case to trial. It was determined by the judge that in the course of the trial, the prosecutors had presented inadmissible evidence to the jury, misrepresenting certain aspects of the investigation as fact. All charges against this director were dropped. If there is any sense of justice from these events, it is that the ongoing investigation meant that Schlitterbahn, Kansas City, was unable to open for the 2017 season. By 2018, its reputation had been so irreparably damaged that they were forced to sell the park to a new operator after demolishing the Verrucht. Even the Schlitterbahn parks in Texas were impacted and they also changed hands in 2019. Two tragic accidents at two different water slides and two young lives lost. I'm your narrator, Andrew Mensal, and you've been listening to Fairground Fuck Ups. Head to the show notes for all the links to our social media pages.